A sincere expression of gratitude to our esteemed patrons. Lynn from Massachusetts, Heather from New Jersey, Chelsea from Utah, Kate from Massachusetts, Margie from Connecticut, Courtney from Massachusetts, Amber from Idaho, and Stephanie from Massachusetts for their generous monthly contributions. Their support fuels the engine of our investigative endeavors here at Wicked Wanderings. You too can become a valued patron and unlock a realm of exclusive content by supporting our mission for as little as $3 a month. Your contribution sustains our commitment to delivering high-quality content. Visit WickedWanderingsPodcast.com and click on the support tab to join the ranks of our dedicated patrons. Your investment not only keeps our podcast thriving, but also ensures that you are at the forefront of our intriguing discoveries with bonus content only available for those patron subscribers. Thank you for considering this opportunity to deepen your engagement with Wicked Wanderings. Your support is paramount in enabling us to continue our journey into the realms of mystery and true crime. And now back to the shit show. Hello, Wanderers. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jess. And this is Wicked Wanderings. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Jess. Hello, John. I'm so excited to be here. So we want to talk about your experience at the Lizzie Borden house that you went last weekend, correct? And more. Because Ooh, and I feel more. Like there should be an your and more. Your spooky weekend, actually. Spooky weekend. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those who may not have tuned into the episode where I mentioned my spooky weekend with Hannah, we have an annual wicked, excuse me, spooky weekend, it's not Wicked Wanderings weekend yet, I mean, but yet. it will be. Into that. Keyword yet. <laughs> yet. And last year was the first inaugural year and we went to Salem and did a lot of spooky things in Boston. We had a fabulous time. And then this year we went to Providence, Rhode Island, where I used to live and loved. But first and foremost, was to go to Fall River to be able to see the Lizzie Borden houses. And we had a fabulous time. I think you can agree with that, Hannah. I had an absolute blast. But I wasn't expecting how commercialized the area was. Yeah. It was kind of disappointing in that respect. Second Street in yeah. Fall River was so, you say commercialized, almost like an industrial park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful, like early 19th century house, which we can talk about a little bit in a second. But it's like not an attractive area. There's no. like the most attractive thing next door was the parking garage we parked yeah. next to. It was rough. It was an eclectic group of people that was going on the tour too yes and you seem to have the people that are like i'm there just to find paranormal activity Mm -hmm. i'm here because i want to see the ghost of lizzie borden or you also have the people that are like this is history i want to know the facts of like what happened here so there was definitely like a spectrum of people when i went there was a group from california and they were kind of annoying but then a girl she was like oh i love lizzie borden i've loved her since i was little but I also have rat skulls in my room. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was All kind right. of odd, which <laughs> will be really awkward if she by some chance listens. <laughs> I'm optimistic. But I don't yeah. mind being weird. I draw the line at human remains or animal remains yeah. in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Not to throw shame on anyone who might. Do as that? Legal. I mean, you have something against 
fake skulls? No, no, no. You remember a couple of months ago, you know, you came to New York City to see me. I did. And he was like, I absolutely want to see, like, I want a, I want a skull for the house. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know this great little place in the village. And they actually have human remains for sale. And she's like, no way. And of course, our mother was like, please don't go there. Like, do not do that. <laughs> That's really strange. I can't believe they have a place in New York City. It was like, it's totally legal, I swear. And we went and, like, I showed you the human skulls and things. Mm -hmm. And you were like, that's cute. I'd rather have mine made out of ceramic. Yeah. I do not need a real human skull. I didn't know this place existed. Oh, they're oh, expensive. We'll Very oh. expensive. It's like a bougie, creepy place. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember. It's called something like uh, Evolution or something. It's Evolution, I think. It's yeah. really, it's cool. It it's is. A cool it's place. very neat, very eccentric. But I'd rather have my skull from Home Goods for twenty dollars. So. But how do they get the remains? So the laws in the United States about owning like human remains are actually incredibly loose. <laughs> but not with our booze, which it's is really strange. <laughs> so like you can own human skulls and human skeletal frames pretty easily, and you don't have to be like. Yale University Medical Center. You could be uh, Joe Schmo on Second Street or in like, Fall River. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, just get right. them and boil them in your kitchen. Exactly. Mm. So exactly. we went back. It was so exciting. We uh, will also let you know this. There's an extended tour to view the basement, which I know, Jesse, you had recommended we did go to. Yes. Which was an additional fee to see the basement. And I'm like, all right, we're never going to go back. I don't need to see Lizzie Borden house twice. And so I was like, fine, I'll pay the incremental like $12 for two people to go see their basement. So we had a really interesting tour. I think our tour guide was fabulous. He was much more grounded in like historical facts than like, ooh, like yeah. the and light flicker. he'd only flicker. been there for two years. He was great. I, I wish I remembered his name. was the same guy that I saw. He was kind of short, but older. Yes, with dark hair. Kind of a beard, Actually, yeah. glasses. No, gray no glasses. Hair. But he was great. Mm -hmm. He was wonderful. He um, really was. And what I really appreciated was that he kind of laid down, here's the front parlor, here's the family parlor where Andrew was murdered, here's the staircase, all right, that's the guest room. Like, you could kind of see somebody laying on the floor if, like, the blankets weren't long, mm -hmm. but they really defined this door between Lizzie and Emma's rooms and the room where Andrew and his wife lived mm -hmm. was completely cut off like it was like a duplex mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for somebody to be in the house like an alternative like third party murderer to be in the house and roaming around would be an Pretty extraordinary impossible. theater right. mm -hmm. a, a theory rather uh, which I really appreciated. I did too. After doing all the research on Lizzie, I was pretty surprised with how small the house yeah. is. I know mm -hmm. you told me just how small the house was, but it was tiny. It was very tight. But the thing was, I felt comfortable in the home. You would. <laughs> like, I didn't feel any external force of yeah. evil no. I didn't at either. all. Like, mm -hmm. I would sleep there, no problem. Oh, I love how you say that, because I was totally, like, riled up, and I was like, yeah, maybe at some point, like, we'll go and, like, rent a room and, like, see well, it for yeah. real, but I was, like, nervous. But, like, we did not discuss it while we were in the house, yeah. and when we left, it was like, what did you feel? And I was like, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I did not feel anything. Mm -mm. Even in the basement, I was like, okay. I took a picture of the wall they wanted us to take a picture of. People were like, I don't want that on my phone. I'm like, it's oh not my a big God. deal. They like painted the face. it in a certain way Come for on. the face to show up. Right. I did not. Yeah, there was a murder that took place here. But could you liven it up with some fresh flowers and I could go to paint? But also, I was kind of extra surprised by the fact that 
as somebody who knows historic buildings and historic homes, particularly that kind of Greek revile style from the early 19th century, the materials used in the home were cheap. Even the best parlor was cheap molding, Mm -hmm. incredibly basic on basic on basic. The back hallways that were used for like the kitchen and Bridget would have known really well going up and down stairs between the floors extra extra cheap pine that is a cheap on cheap house in Mm -hmm. the greek revival style and i know that andrew bought it he didn't build it but it was like an extra imitation of like Mm -hmm. this was a cheap house and if i knew that my father was worth a few million dollars Mm -hmm. and i thought we should be living up on the hill on highland avenue and we were living in this really extraordinarily cheap home in a middle-class area of people i believe were below me which were the Irish Catholics, I'd be really upset too. Mm -hmm. So it was an extraordinary tour. What I appreciated that you actually pointed out, so we are all about the pear trees, right? All these people eating eating pears. The tour guide gave this absolutely wonderful rendition of how John Morse gave this whole spiel of why he was in the house, how he would never be the person to murder anyone, and then had a couple pears. Jonathan pointed out, the pears in the kitchen, which I didn't even notice. Yeah. What I think is so interesting is that one of her alibis was like, oh, I was out in the barn eating pears Mm -hmm. for hours. Great. Fine. Mm -hmm. But Uncle Morse is also seen by a member of the police after Mm -hmm. the murders have taken place. And there's a crowd around the house on Second Street. Calmly eating a fucking pear. And he said, I had one pear. All right, this is weird. Like, this is the house you're staying in. You're supposed to come back for lunch, and you're just hanging out in the backyard, eating a pear. And there's documented testimony from police officers saying, he, oh, no, he didn't have one pear. He had at least three pears. Like, mm. that's leaning a lot of fiber. A, yeah, leaning against a tree, eating three pears, like a weirdo. But in this kitchen that they renovated, I don't know if they did it on purpose or by accident. I hope they did it on purpose. This, like, early 1990s kitchen that they put into the house. Mm-hmm. There's pears on all of the cabinets. So that's really? how you open them is with pears. It, it was a beautiful this is like the kind of it's weird. tribute to the pear trees that used that's to be in the cool. backyard. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Leave it to John to notice that. But I do not feel any presence there. No. no. I was expecting to and I didn't. Yeah. I was very comfortable. Yeah, same. And I'm wondering if at night it would be different when you're there in like the darkness and mm. I also your wonder, mind messes with you. I also wonder about the respect that you go in there and what you're looking for. Yeah. I think that's a huge... Uh, Amy Bruni taught me this. So, shout out to Amy Bruni. Because if you're going in there wanting to be scared and freaked out from this mass murder that could be in the house, I mean, of course you're going to freak yourself out. You're going to get mm-hmm. in your own head. But going in there, historically speaking, you're wanting to know about the family. Let's say, you know, Andrew and Abby are in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'd rather know about them than freak out about the murders yeah i don't i I would still love to go back though and do a show Flow show (laughs) show but should we move on to talk about an area where we during our trip that we really felt a lot of presence oh yes Yes. oh i have not heard this we visited a lot of places so we started with lizzie borden's house on second avenue and we went up to the hill and we saw maplecroft which is gorgeous we saw her tombstone in the local cemetery and then we drove down to providence and stayed overnight had some cocktails had a good time and the next day was a big driving day and we headed down to wickford which is its own kind of spooky location don't forget hp lovecraft H.P. Lovecraft, I completely forgot. So Hannah and I are big fans of H.P. Lovecraft, which Mm -hmm. is like the original father of science fiction. Mm -hmm. 
which until recently he was kind of like poo-pooed as kind of this weird 19th century author. I think he's pretty cool. His stuff's pretty wild. It is. Um, and it's short. It's amazing how short his material is, but it can still make you feel a certain way. So you might only read six pages and you're like, oh my God, what the hell did I just read? Mm-hmm. Like that was freaking crazy. Because sometimes it takes an author, and don't get me wrong, I love Stephen King for everything he mm-hmm. is. But you take a novel like it that's 1,100 pages, I feel like H.P. Lovecraft did that in six pages. Yeah. It's wow. like totally freaks you out. Mm. I mean, Stephen King has even said H.P. Lovecraft was an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And just fair game as a caveat, H.P. Lovecraft was absolutely an anti-Semite and he was also anti-immigration. So you mm-hmm. will see that as threads through some of his work. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. So that's kind of good to know. One of my favorite works is The Horror at Red Hook. And it's all about the lower unwashed masses in quote unquote Red Hook, which is Southern Brooklyn, which is where I live, Mm -hmm. which is very Tony now. But at the time it was full of immigrants and he was very anti-immigrants. It was one of the reasons he hated living in New York City was because Mm -hmm. there were so many immigrants. That's why he Mm -hmm. went back to Providence. So fair warning. But at the same time as being a complex, very difficult wrong man Mm -hmm. he also had beautiful work that we Mm -hmm. should learn from so we went to his grave in uh, swan point cemetery in providence on october the 13th beautiful cemetery gorgeous cemetery it was if you want to be buried like that is the place to go (laughs) for all those weirdos out there that think about their (laughs) death place it was a gorgeous cemetery and we were not the only ones. There was a little bit yes, of a line to show up to exactly. uh, really? yeah. Cave. Yeah. People from Virginia that were ahead of us, and we kind of just waited a turn. And then we I kind of drove Hannah around to see a bunch of the spots he went to. And one of my favorite parks that overlooks the city in Providence, where he did a lot of his writing. Some of the buildings he absolutely hated in can Providence. You, can you, do you mind telling our wanderers and Jess about the Roger Williams tree? Oh, I feel like this could be its own episode again. So... There's a park, Prospect Park, in Providence, Rhode Island, which is a gorgeous, famous park that is high up on the east side of Providence, up on a hill. And when you get to the park, it's very small, it's very slim. It looks over the whole city, so it's absolutely beautiful. Day or night, especially in the winter, it's absolutely gorgeous. And there's a big monument to Roger Williams, who, of course, was the founder of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations Colony after being thrown out of Massachusetts Bay. Mm. So when we're originally talking about the founding of Providence, it was supposed to be very equal. So everyone was along this very big Providence River, which is only a slimmer of a creek now. Everyone was allowed the same portion of the river. And then going up the hill, everyone had very long, skinny tracts of land up the hill. Mm -hmm. So it was all equitable so that everybody had the same kind of frontage on the river. And then you still had space for a house and a shop and woods to cut down wood in a place for your family burying ground and place for gardens. The area where Prospect Park is now was originally Roger Williams' property. So fast forward into like the 1920s, 1930s, they're building this park. It's originally Roger Williams' property, you know, in the 1600s. And they're digging up what was Roger Williams' apple orchard. And they come across what ended up being uh, an apple tree roots in the shape of a person. In a human body, like basically Mm -hmm. a a casket. So what had happened was the apple trees, the orchard on Roger Williams' property had basically scurried into the family burying plot 
including the casket of Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island Colony, and had kind of subsumed his body. Oh, my God. So when they dug it up, Roger Williams is now a whole bunch of very lovely-looking varnished applewood. <laughs> and it's now located, when they were creating the park, it's now been subsumed and moved over to the local uh, historical society. That's crazy. Isn't it's that crazy. Nuts? Talk about living forever. Now right? you're... Furniture. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it's a gorgeous park, and it, it adds to pretty. the legend of H.P. Lovecraft, like, sitting up there on the park and, like, mm-hmm. writing amazing stories that are super weird. I love him. And then we drove down to, as I mentioned, Wickford, which is creepy and cute and lovely. You see that town in its own way. We went over to Mercy Brown's grave, who was the, quote-unquote, the first American vampire. Poor gold had tuberculosis, tuberculosis yeah. but they dug her up, put her down, dug her up, put her down, dug her up. Anyway, just right off the road. Well worth the visit. And then for a very early dinner. Wait, so can I talk about Mercy Brown for a second? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So I feel like Mercy Brown was in a location I didn't expect her because it was just this tiny little cemetery and this tiny little church. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have such a soft spot for Mercy Brown Mm -hmm. because the poor thing, yes, she was known as like the first vampire and like, ooh, what a cool story. But... Her whole family was dying of TB. She finally dies of TB. It is too cold for them to dig in the ground. So they leave her in a barn of some sort to dig a grave for her in the spring. Mm-hmm. And they and they start thinking that, oh, other people are still dying of TB. What if she's sucking the life out of other people? Let's see if she's still alive. And so they basically start mutilating her body to mm, see geez. if it's still bleeding as it should. And because it's been preserved because of the cold, mm-hmm. yes, it is showing signs of basically. And like, she's been frozen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So no decomposition. She's been preserved. Exactly. She's been mm-hmm. preserved by freezing. Right. But of they, a New England winter. They for some reason don't get that. They're getting their their own heads, and medicine's not like it is now. And this poor girl's body is mutilated. She's like, oh my god, we have to. I think they, in the end they burn her heart or her spleen. It's one of those. Just to make sure that she's dead. and But it's just, it's so terribly sad. Mm-hmm. Terribly sad. And they finally, they end up, they end up burying her. But it's such a sad, sad tale. There was, what I found a little bit of comfort in was the cemetery is not like overrun. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's on the side of this of road. At this it, little church and yeah, this I little mean, graveyard. It's, it's definitely not where H.P. Lovecraft is buried. It's not. No. It doesn't have like this beautiful pond and beautiful statues and trees. There's no trees. It's a dirt road. <laughs> and it's she's just there she's with just her there. family, though. Mm. And People then also, have been paying respects, though. You know, like there somebody are flowers had left, there and stones. and Yeah, somebody had brought, obviously, within the last day or two before we yeah. were had left roses at each mm-hmm. family member's tombstone. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I mean, when you go to Lizzie Borden's grave, there's all sorts of stuff over Lizzie Borden and like coins and toys and mm-hmm. mini hatchets and very odd things left at her <laughs> grave. But for mini Mercy Brown. Mini hatchets, seriously? <laughs> but for mm. Mercy Brown, it almost felt like all of you need kindness and rest yeah. mm-hmm. even a few hundred years later right like that's what we're hoping for it was just kind of like a beautiful thing for the mm-hmm. family because it was such a tragic disease and a tragic thing to happen to all one family yeah that's crazy so mercy brown I, I found out a lot from lore obviously there thank you aaron Mankey, for that bedtime story but after but after brown, a lovely 
drink up in uh, Patuxent Village. We went to an early dinner up in, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, Pachat, Pachat, Pachasset, Pachusset. Pachusset? A place Pot- in Rhode Island we never heard of. Pachasset. I'm so sorry if you live there, but I don't know where this is. Continue without me as I look up the... No, no, no. We need to know the name. Don't put me on the spot. Just talk... So, the Tavern on Main mm-hmm. was originally built, like, in, I think, the early 18th century. It's like a stagecoach inn. Mm. And apparently, it is known as the most haunted building Chipachet. in... Chipachet. There we go. Known as the most haunted building in Rhode Island. Is this the one where you wanted the booth with the ghost? Yes. Yes. So is this where you had the the creepy feelings? You got the booth? Nice. I was very grateful because they said it could only be used for four people and we're only two, but we had dinner at four o'clock. But they didn't tell us it was the haunted booth. No. I had requested it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're sure kinda, we got it. And it wasn't until we were sitting down having a glass of wine that they said, yes, this is the haunted booth. But we felt things before they confirmed it. So when they sat us down, mm-hmm. my brother sat once. I, I sat on the, the part of the booth that's on the wall. Yes. In a corner. And I was like, okay, this this feels a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling a little funky. And so I actually asked the waitress. I was like, so which one's the haunted booth? She's like, you're sitting in it. I was like. Okay, that explains the really weird feeling I'm getting right now. And I was like, well, do you know the name of the ghost? Do you know anything about it? And the poor thing, like, it was only, like, her second year. She was a lovely waitress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely lovely. She's like, let me find out some information for you. So she comes back and says, her name's Elizabeth or Beth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. I'm like, she is definitely... She was in Definitely the next. So I mm-hmm. actually scooted over. So I was kind of like, he, my brother was in the middle of his... Side of the booth. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of pushed over. And I was like, you are welcome, Beth. Like, as long as you want. I We're having like, shrimp cocktail and a glass of wine. <laughs> order you what you want. Right. I was like, you just chill. Listen to our conversation. It actually got to a point, and I didn't tell John this during lunch, where I thought I had to get up because it was such an overpowering feeling mm-hmm. to where I don't know if this is normal, but I actually felt the feeling up until the next morning. Like really? I had breakfast and I was like, okay, is this going to yep. dissipate? Like what is going on? And then finally it, it left, but it was heavy, heavy, and not evil, just heavy. And what I kind of appreciate is it's kind of just a local place. Like mm-hmm. they don't, ratchet it up like the Lizzie Borden house mm-hmm. or Salem, Massachusetts or any other haunted location. It's just kind of like a wayside mm-hmm. place. And there weren't a lot of, there, a I lot think of we were locals. The, I think it was only locals. We were also there at four o'clock yeah. and us. Mm-hmm. And we both, what I appreciated was that we both felt the same presence of a woman mm-hmm. in the corner on your side of the booth without speaking to each other. Yeah. Cause we didn't talk about it. So we got in the car Really? Yeah. I 100% felt something there. But it's in strange contrast to the house on Second Street where I felt absolutely nothing. And it was like, is there something wrong with me? That's what I thought at at Lizzie Borden's house. I was like, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I not feeling? And then when I felt that at the tavern on Main, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is what people are talking about when they talk about a heavy feeling. This this I get. This was not at the Borden household. See, that's, that's what I experienced kind of when I... We did the ghost tour at the Jenny Wade house in Gettysburg. Yeah. It's like, I knew that someone was behind me. Yeah. I could feel mm. there was a presence on the stairs. And so that's what I gauge all my other mm-hmm. experiences Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Is because I know without a shadow of a doubt 
Right. I was feeling a presence. And then the difference in the feeling on the two sides of the house. The first one was kind of ominous and creepy. And then the second side of the house was peaceful. Yeah. And so when I go into places like Lizzie Borden and I just don't feel anything. It's so hyped up to the Mm -hmm. point where like, all right, let's feel. But you know what? I bet you like $100 if Maplecroft was open, people would feel something in there. Possibly. You know what I mean? But it's not right now, which I respect. But there's so much hype around the Borden household. Mm -hmm. For all of that, nothing. Yeah. I think we should go stay overnight. I, 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 I'm comfortable with it. And then we'll have this conversation it. again. Yeah. <laughs> so why is the booth haunted? Like, what is the story of that restaurant? That's a really good question. So I thought it was revolutionary, but it actually happens after that. So America's new nation. And it ended up coming down to a lot of like local politics. So Burr's Rebellion happened around there where one politician won over another in the new state of Rhode Island. The existing politician wouldn't give way and he sent troops down and there was a major shootout. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people got hurt. I don't know if anyone died, but it was just their explanation was that there were a few centuries of life and living over this building, everything from a stagecoach and an inn to a boarding house to a restaurant. It was just a lot of human traffic mm-hmm. all over this building back and forth over years that created this kind of presence mm. wanting to stay. And, you know, I can't exactly blame her. No. Elizabeth is like, maybe she's from the 18th century. They didn't really explain like who she was or who mm, they yeah. connected her with. The waitress didn't know much about her, mm. which is fine. Like, I feel like we gave Elizabeth to kind of just be who she is. Like, if you want to hang out here, like, that's fine. Like, that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. She didn't she, feel menacing. No, she, she just, just had a heavy, heavy presence. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm here and I'm going to stay here. It's like, okay. Yep. This is my you table. Do, you do, girl. <laughs> the place was so old that I don't know if you've been to the Waitley Inn that's in Waitley, Mass. Mm-hmm. But, like, the when you look up at the ceiling where you have the upper floors, like, it's... These, these bowed pieces of wood that are hanging, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, is it going to collapse? Like very, very, very old, which I kind of can respect a place like that, that just kind yeah. of keeps the look of it. And she know? just kind of, I can kind of respect you, just wants to hang around and see what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And what better place to still feel like you're part of the everyday life than a tavern mm-hmm. uh, on Main Street. And, and you can look out the window. She had a great view and she had right. a corner table. And I think if you can have the locals from a place like that, it feels more like home. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Lizzie Borden house where you're having people from all over, literally yes. the world. And it's like, oh, the shame spiel all over again. I don't want to <laughs> hear this. And they go away, which I don't blame them. They got the wrong story. I know who killed me, you know. Yes. But with her, she's like, oh, I just want to hear who these people are from and hear the local stories and be a part of it again. I mean. Uh, what do we know, right? Yeah. But this is what I like to think of. I yeah. will also say that when we left, because it was still early, we still had a bit of a drive back to Western Massachusetts, <laughs> and the GPS kept changing over and over again. <laughs> and that's an area of connecting Rhode Island to Connecticut, Connecticut to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I do not know, and there's no <laughs> major highways, so we get on this little back road, and I'm probably get a little faster than I really need to. <laughs> and I'm like, I just kind of want to get out of here. This is really weird. And I'm still feeling a lot of presence from the tavern. And then all of a sudden, my GPS is like, you need to go right. Turn right. Turn right. Into turn right. State park. And there's like, a what? giant sign saying like <laughs> State Park XXY, whatever it was called. 
And so I zoom back around and I'm like, we're going through the state park. And Hannah's like, I really don't want to. It was scary. I was like, we're going to go through it. And we start going through and it's a little one lane road mm. with nothing on it. Yeah. And Night's coming. Yeah. These boughs of trees just make it darker. Covered the road. And there's a sign that's saying State Park is closed because of Triple E. And we're like... We get halfway down this road and there's a giant block in the road. Yeah, because it was because of Triple E. Triple E, yeah. Oh, no. This is... It's like, this is where the story ends. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked Wanderings is now no longer a podcast. It's an unsolved mystery. It's an episode on a podcast. <laughs> we visited so many creepy places over this weekend, and this is what's scaring us. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to go home. So, but thankfully, like, we were able to get through it, and it was flying down the road, and we finally got to uh, Mass Pike, thank God. That's crazy. At it some was point. rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That was our spooky weekend. Fun! I can't wait for our first annual Wicked Wandering Spooky. <laughs> I think that's going to start to entail you at some point. We have to. Yes, Jonathan's really good at planning trips. I'll give him that. <laughs> you plan it. I'll show up. <laughs> I'll be spooky. Thanks for letting us chat about our yeah. spooky weekend on our this special, special episode. Edition. Yes, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It's awesome. And I don't know how to end this. <laughs> Editor, producer. Thanks for listening today. The show wouldn't be possible without our amazing producer and editor, Rob Fitzpatrick, who works tirelessly behind the scenes to bring you the best content. And a special thanks to Taiga Soundprod for providing the captivating intro music, Cinematic Intro 24. And of course, we can't forget the hauntingly beautiful outro music, Rhino's Theme, composed by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a rating and review on our, your favorite podcast platforms. Like Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Your feedback means the world to us. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes glimpses, updates, and more thrilling content. You can find us at Wicked Wanderings Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our Wicked Wanderings community. We appreciate each and every one of you. Stay curious. Keep exploring. And always remember to keep keep on wandering. wandering. Get ready to rock your style with Wicked Wanderings. Introducing our brand new merch. Cozy up in our Wicked hoodies. Or flaunt your vibe in our sweet ass t-shirt. Join the Wicked Wanderings crew, explore the mysterious, and head to our merch store now. The link is in the show notes below.